0: So the caption of the message this morning is today we commemorate Pentecost, today we commemorate Pentecost. Pentecost was not something that uh, began with the Christian church and we'll talk about that in a moment, but we want to read scripture in the book of Acts chapter 2 and I've selected various passages out of chapter 2 so that my reading won't be too terribly long for you this morning. Begin at chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. If you're able to stand, wish to, stand with me as we read these few passages. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Then we're skipping over to verse 14. So while they have come together and they are confused, it says, then Peter standing up with the eleven. So the eleven are already there and they're ministering. But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is about the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And then we're skipping over to verse 36 in the same chapter where Peter continues and says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly ...that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, ...men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins... And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for this very important, significant event that took place in the life of your followers, of those, dear Lord, who were obedient to the command of the Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, dear Lord, that you're still at work in our world And I pray, dear Lord, you'll help us as we look at this word this morning. We pray, dear Lord, that you will impact our hearts and our lives from the words of Scripture and from the great privileges that we have in this gospel era. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated for the message. And so, this is called, We Commemorate Pentecost. And when we talk about Pentecost, as I said, it did not originate with the Christian church. It was a feast of the Jews. And that is why there was a large crowd that was gathered together in Jerusalem at this time. They did not come there because of anything going on with the Christian, the Christians, the followers of Jesus Christ, But they were there as faithful Jews to appear and thank God for the harvest that had been gathered in. This was one of the three feasts that the young men were told that they had to be a part of. They had to be in Jerusalem. And so uh, they had come for that celebration Uh, this harvest that had been gathered in, the first fruits of the harvest. Uh, That would be the first part of the harvest. There were different segments of harvest, Uh, so they were there to celebrate this. Uh, It has been noted that God chose this particular time because He told them, He told His disciples to wait until you receive the promise of the Father, uh, that they were not to leave Jerusalem, and we read that to you last week, and I'm sure that you have read it many times yourself in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus did not concentrate on what was going to happen to the nation of Israel, even though the disciples wanted to know. Was this the time when Israel was going to once again be independent of their enemies? It was going to be a sovereign state. Uh, Jesus said uh, he wasn't going to comment on that. It wasn't for them to know. Uh, but he said you are going to receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Uh, so uh, this Pentecost, these, this crowd was gathered and God coordinated his plan with the ongoing feast. Uh, Taking advantage of a large crowd that was gathered already by the commandments given in the Old Testament so he could publish the word to the multitudes as to the reality of the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and now This special event of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, when we think about this, uh, we think about how God timed this coming of the Holy Spirit and this great harvest of souls. So, I read that part so it would be included in the scripture this morning. How many were added to the believers? How many were added? Did you see that? Did you catch that? There were three people, no. No, 300, is that right? Was there 300? No, it wasn't 300. It was three dozen? No, it wasn't three dozen. It was 3,000, 3,000. Significant, significant. So God timed this great harvest of bringing the lost into the kingdom to this firstfruits of harvest that they were celebrating as being good Jews. And, of course, there were many Jews there that did not become followers of Jesus, but 3,000 did. But we're told that Jerusalem would pack with hundreds of thousands of people, uh, maybe up to, up to a million crowded in and around Jerusalem. So there were many that did not hear and respond to the message, but 3,000 did. And so this great, this great gathering and this time that God chose for the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself Now, we know that uh, this was something that was predicted in the Old Testament. It was the promise of the Father. Uh, while While the Old Testament talks about the sacrifices, and it also tells us that there were times, special times, when God especially moved upon ...people in the Old Testament by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Exciting times when the Holy Spirit came and moved on people. So, for instance, remember when Moses was overwhelmed with his responsibility... ...with what he had to do. And uh, God said... uh, I'm going to have you call the 70 elders in Numbers 11.25. And he said, I want them to come and stand before me. And I'm going to take of the spirit that's on you, Moses, and I'm going to put it on them. And so you read about that. (coughs) And it says in 11.25 of Numbers, And the Lord came down in a cloud spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. So God allowed more than Moses to experience that fe- special presence that he had with God. Uh, think of uh, uh, of also, uh, Others' champions and I'm not going to name them all because there's too many but uh, think about Gideon in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6 and verse 34 uh, where we're told that Gideon a man who was uh, intimidated by the enemy had been hiding out uh, and the angel of the Lord came and called him a, a mighty man and Uh, He said, you know, I'm I'm nothing, and God had a special work for Gideon to do to defeat the enemy. And the scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. (coughs) He was a changed man because of the Spirit of God came upon him, and he became a leader. He blew the trumpet, and people came and followed him and God gave him a great victory. And then one that we all like to think about. And we all like to think, you know, maybe as kids some, sometime, maybe we'd be like, like this fella. We always have the wrong picture of him. Because uh, I, don't, I don't recall any of my children's Bible story books that showed Samson as being a little guy. But I actually think Samson was not a very big fella. I don't think uh, Samson had any big guns, uh, as they call them today. Uh, that uh, he was—he was a picture of uh, of the Arnold classic. Uh, I don't—I don't think he looked like that at all. Uh, I think—I think he was a pretty ordinary-looking fella, and uh, didn't look like he had much to be afraid of as far as the power of physical might. Uh, But uh, the scripture says that God used Samson, didn't he? And when the Spirit of God, as Samson was obedient to the Lord, when the Spirit of God would come on him, then he became a dynamo, didn't he? And uh, there wasn't anybody that could subdue him. There wasn't anybody that could conquer him because of the Spirit of God that was upon Samson. Uh, Judges 14.6 is one verse. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him. This was a lion as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand. Uh, But it wasn't even significant. He told not his father or his mother what he had done. Uh, He just killed a lion with his bare bare hands. Never even told them about it. But it was because of the Spirit of God upon him. How about another one of our heroes in the Old Testament? I like to point this out because uh, David tells about an encounter with, A lion and a bear, and uh, he didn't have any any great weapon like we would have today. But uh, the Lord delivered them into His hand, and I think it all goes back to this, one Samuel chapter six and verse thirteen, where Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him, being David, in the midst of his brethren, and of course. You know, his brethren, he had uh, Joab and Simeon. They were big guys, you know. David was just a little fella. But he was anointed, and the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And then Samuel left the area, the prophet Samuel. But the Spirit of God didn't leave David. (laughs) The Spirit of God didn't leave David. Remember how David prayed when he sinned? Take not your Holy Spirit from me, he prayed in Psalm 51. The Spirit of God came on David, and David could kill a lion and a bear, and he knew he could go against Goliath because the Spirit of God was on him to empower him and help him to do exploits for the Lord. And so, the Old Testament talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people who followed the Lord. But the Holy Spirit was not a constant presence with those people. He came at times on them and moved them to do great exploits for God. But here we read that God said there was coming a time when the Spirit would come. He also talked about it in Ezekiel chapter 26 and verse 27. And I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So the Lord is talking about a time when it's not just going to be a fleeting visitation of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is going to be resident. He is going to be resident. So it was predicted in the Old Testament, of course, I read the scripture here where Peter quotes what is said here. It shall come to pass, he says, in, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters, dream dreams, see visions on my servants and handmaids, how about that, even the women, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. We've had some mighty women preachers in our denomination, folks. We have. And I know there's some people that say, oh, a woman not supposed to preach. It's hard to tell, it's hard to tell a woman that's been called to preach, that she's not supposed to do it. Um, we know that uh, Dorothy Meadows, one of our women preachers, uh, she started out just uh, very uh, in a very low category uh, where uh, she would do different things and God God blessed her and and then she began to she began to wonder, should 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 be should she be preaching? I can't remember the exact story, and I I'm not going to try to be too accurate with it, but it's pretty close. Uh, when uh, somebody had used her for a special ministry in the church, and she asked him uh, about her about her preaching, and uh, this person said. You're the preachingest woman I ever heard. (laughs) And uh, so we know that our former general superintendent, Dr. Thomas Hermes, was converted under the preaching of Dorothy Meadows, as well as many others in our denomination. Of course, she's going on to her reward now, but she traveled across our denomination and preached the word of God, and God gave her many souls for her hire, and she was very inspir- ins- inspirational and encouraging. And so uh, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit was going to come. It was it a was promise of the Father. Uh, it was preached by John the Baptist, wasn't it? John the Baptist preached that there was one coming after him. He was not worthy to even... Unlatch his shoelace. Uh, He said in Matthew chapter 3 and other places, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So it was predicted, he said, his fan is in his hand. He will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. What does that mean? It means he's going to purge the chaff out of your life. The chaff. The Holy Spirit wants to do that. He wants to winnow or fan and get rid of the chaff in your life and help you to be the person that you need to be. And so, it was, this was an event that was spoken of, preached by John the Baptist, it was predicted uh, in the Old Testament, the promise of the Father, and it was spoken of by Jesus. Jesus considered this to be a very important event that was going to take place before his crucifixion. He had to talk to the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that was gonna mean and how that was going to work, how that was going to affect. And so over and over again, he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, When we look at this particular scripture that we read portions of, look how the Holy Spirit worked in this setting in the early church they were obedient to what jesus said which was wait for the promise of the father now some have said that is key today that you have to wait that is not true you do not have to wait today they had to wait because this was the inaugurating work of the holy spirit coming in the gospel era and so they waited for God's set time. But folks, now we don't have to wait because the Holy Spirit's already come. Now we can come and avail ourselves of the promises of His abiding presence with us. So the wait, the wait is over. The wait now is just how long it will take you to respond and give your all to the Lord Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit be in full control. But think about this: uh, these people that had been uh, such, so intimidated. Uh, I don't want to say they were cowards, because uh, there's things that happen today that uh, send a chill down my spine. I had something happen last week. I won't go into that, but uh, you know, somebody said something, and and uh, and it just kind of sent a chill down my spine that. Uh, You know, and I kind of watched them a little bit and stayed away from them because they sounded rather threatening. Uh, So I I don't want to condemn these early followers of Jesus because, after all, if you'd seen your precious, miracle-working Savior, if you'd seen Him be taken and nailed to a cross and seen Him in agony, in pain, see him die, and then you knew, like Peter, oh, you're one of them. Uh, no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't know him. You might, you might have second thoughts about a few things. You might have failed the Lord a few times yourself in a situation where fear mastered you. So I don't want to be too hard on them. Because they had every reason, humanly speaking, to be afraid, didn't they? Uh, They didn't want nails put in their hands, and they didn't want to face the cruel treatment of the Romans. But here, after Jesus showed himself alive by many verifiable proofs, that he really did conquer death, somehow death was no longer the great threat that it had been to them. Their savior had conquered death. And their savior was alive and they saw him for 40 days off and on. They even ate some of his cooking, didn't they? Because he cooked fish there on the On the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And how would you like to have some of the bread that he made? Yeah. Well, they saw all this and they experienced that. And now, and now, they've obeyed him. They've waited. They didn't know how long they were waiting. He just said, wait until. And they knew that they would know the time when it came. And so... The scripture says that when this happened, they knew that the Holy Spirit was there. They knew the Holy Spirit had come in fulfillment of the promise of the Father, that this was the event spoken of by Jesus. And now they're all preaching. And then Peter stands up in the midst of all them and he begins to be the principal and the main speaker, this guy that had been a coward, And he preaches to those who crucified Jesus. And he's very specific, isn't he? I I wanted to read that part to you because of how specific he was. We could have read, definitely read more to encompass that. But he said, um, therefore, in verse 36 of 2, let all the house of Israel know assuredly That God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified. (laughs) You crucified him. He is Lord and he is Christ. He's the boss. He's the Lord. And he's the promised one that would come. So how bold they became because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what? What a day it was when the Holy Spirit made his advent in the early church and made them now not people who were intimidated, but people who were bold even to the giving of their lives if they had to because their life now was put in a proper perspective. It was under the power and control of Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is at the right hand of God. He is directing his church. And he is is the one who is with them. And so if they die, it's just going to be a momentary thing. It'll just be a flash of a moment. And they'll be in the presence of the Lord. They'll be with the one that showed them. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. And he's alive. And he's in charge. And whether I understand everything that happens or not, I can trust him. He's in charge. And now we're experiencing and enjoying this that has happened, and that is the coming of his spirit, which is Christ actually in our lives. And so... I want you to notice that. I want you to also notice that something else happened here. When they're preaching, the Holy Spirit empowered them. The Holy Spirit gave the message. The Holy Spirit infused them with energy. But as they're preaching, it's not just talk, it's not just the good talk. I, I used to get a little insulted when I first started preaching. And some well-meaning person would come up. It was usually an older, older person. I'm an older person now, so I can say that. It was usually an older, well-meaning person that wanted to encourage me. And they would say, that was a good talk. <laughs> well, it wasn't a talk, it was a sermon. And there's a difference between a sermon and a talk. Do you know that? A sermon has some piercing points to it a sermon a sermon is something that has some force and some conviction it's not just oh we're just chatting <laughs> it's not a chat it's not a fireside chat it is it is something that is to the point I want you to notice what happened to these people. Now they that heard this were pricked in their heart. Do you understand what that means? They were convicted of their sin. They were found guilty in the courts of heaven that they were guilty of the death of the Lord. And every one of us bear responsibility in that, don't we? Because as sinners, as sinners, we are the reason Jesus died and we are the reason that he suffered the way he did. Even though it happened hundreds of years before our birth, we were there, we were the reason, and that's why he died. So we're all guilty, and that's what Paul said, let the whole world become guilty before God. You see... It's not the little thing you stole, it's not the little lie you told, it's, it's not the disrespect that you showed, but it is the fact that you actually participated in saying crucify him, crucify him, let him die, and so we're all guilty, we're all guilty before God. We all bear responsibility for the death of Jesus Christ. And so the great sin is not the sin of we didn't go to church like we should. The great sin is not, as I said, the lie or the thief, the theft or whatever it was. The great sin is that we are guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so as such, we'll have to stand guilty before God and pay the price unless we, like these, 3,000 were convicted. They were convicted and they followed through with the conviction. Not everybody repents. But see, if you want to know the power and presence of God, if you want to know the Holy Spirit power in your life, the first step, this is the first step. You have to repent. You have to become guilty and say, yes, I can't do anything to save myself. Yes, I'll have to throw myself on the mercies of heaven. I can't help save myself. I don't have anything to lessen the impact of my guilt. I am guilty. I stand guilty. And thereby, I am going to pay the price for my sin unless God in his mercy will forgive me by Jesus Christ. So they came to the point where they owned their sin, didn't they? That's what they had to do. You know, Pentecost Sunday used to be called Whit Sunday, and you probably know what Whit Sunday meant. <coughs> it was White Sunday. Well, what does that mean? Well, there were a lot of people who wanted to be baptized in water on the day of Pentecost, where 3,000 were added to the church, and so they wore white garments. And so it became known as Whit Sunday or White Sunday because of their white clothing so that they could be baptized on this very special day. Of course, water baptism is not what was taking place, although it did following the message, didn't it? There were 3,000. They were baptized in water. But this was special baptism that Jesus talked about, which was being immersed in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so they followed through. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. You know, we all have to come that way, don't we? We all have to come to the point where there's a fear of judgment, a fear of of going out of this world unprepared to meet God and it makes us want to do something about it, It makes us want to take action. Uh, There's a story about a couple guys that worked for the gas company and they were checking meters down through a neighborhood and uh, they were young guys, you know young guys get ideas and. and and they're in contest and competition with each other. They they walk down, they park their truck, and they walk down this residential street, and they're checking meters, and they got the last one. It was way down there, and one of them said to the other one, "I uh, I think I can outrun you. He said, no, you can't. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll race you to the truck. We'll see who wins. Okay. They were done with their work. They were just going to the truck, so, so they took off in this race, and uh, it, was, it was like side by side. They are running, one trying to outdo the other, going as hard as they can. They look around behind them. There's a woman running behind them. <laughs> I said, what, 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 what are you doing? Why are you running behind us? She said, whenever I see two gas company men running, I figure I'm getting out of here too. <laughs> she thought there was going to be a big explosion. Well, you know, every one of us ought to have the fear of God in us that if we would step out of his will, we would go back on the very precious presence of following in his leadership and guidance be a terrible, terrible thing for us. And we ought to run. We ought to run to get right with God and be right with God. A lot of people today are just, oh, well, I guess it'll just be okay. I'll just die however I am. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you're not ready, it doesn't matter how many people you've seen die and they, you know how they lived. You don't want to be one of those people. You don't want to go out of this world unprepared to meet God. It doesn't matter how many have before you. I was banking uh, at the credit union, and uh, I don't know the man. Joe was his name, and uh, how, how things going, Joe? Okay, you know, um, he's taking care of my business. He said, I, I, I had something happen to me this weekend It was kind of different. Oh, what was that, Joe? He said, well, I was playing golf, and he said, We got down the fairway, and I looked back, and the clubhouse blew up. He said, There was a propane leak. And I looked back, and I see smoke where it blowed up. <clears throat> I said, uh, Wow. He says, Good thing you weren't there. Nobody hurt, nobody killed, No, nobody was around it. I said, well, that's great. I said, Joe, what if you had been there? What if you had gone out of this world? Nobody was behind me. Nobody was beside me. Nobody was behind him. Wasn't any big embarrassing time for Joe. Nobody else was there but just Joe and I. Well, I said, would you have been ready? Well, I hope so. Well, I hope so. Uh, I said, well, you can know so. You can know you're ready. That's about all I said. I didn't stay and I didn't, didn't hammer on the table or anything like that or point my finger at him. <clears throat> but I left that up to the Holy Spirit. Do you know there are people that are just very careless about their soul today, but that is not gonna lessen the impact of an eternity without God, of a judgment without Jesus to stand there with you. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are. I was a young man when I found Jesus as my Savior, but I'll tell you what, I was as a young man, that probably adolescent, I was afraid I would go out unprepared because that's the way the preachers preached to us in that day, folks. It wasn't, it wasn't softened to make everything nice and pleasant. They didn't give us a bunch of soft soap. You know what soft soap is. If you've made soft soap like you did in the old day, the large percentage of it is lie. The large percentage of soft soap is lie. And so, yeah, you can, you can honeycoat it. You can make it better than what it is. But if we're telling the truth, it's like this. It should grab our heart. It should make us have a fear of God, of going out of this world unprepared, and know that we're going to stand in the presence of God someday, give account for everything we've done, and we're going to miss heaven, miss being with Jesus, Miss all the provision he's made. Well, today we commemorate Pentecost. What a great day when the Holy Spirit came and the church was empowered. Church leaders were directed. God worked in ways that could not ever have been dreamed of before his coming. So we praise the Lord this morning for his provision. Let's stand together. If you have a need of prayer this morning, I preach for results, folks. I preach so that if somebody here doesn't know Jesus and they're not sure that they're right, that they'll come and pray because I want you to be right with the Lord. I want you to know that if something happened to you, you would be with the Lord Jesus Christ and your soul would be safe in his keeping let's bow our heads for prayer dear Lord we come to the close of this message this morning we thank you dear Lord for Pentecost we thank you that the Holy Spirit didn't just come and leave but he's still here he's here this morning He's the Spirit of Christ. He's working in our lives, in our hearts. (coughs) Dear Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit will speak to any needy heart that's here. Lord, the most exciting place that we're ever gonna be will be in heaven with Jesus, being able to see the great handiwork of God as it's never been viewed by us before. And the most boring place will be to be with old Satan locked away into the prison of the universe with nothing of beauty, with nothing of pleasure, but to hear the groans and the curses of those who forever are banished or damned from the presence of God. Help us, dear Lord. If we have a need this morning, help us to come and pray. Help us, dear Lord, to give it to you. Help us, dear Lord, to let you take care of our sin, to let take care of our backsliding. To give us a new heart, to put your spirit within us. And the first step being to repent, to know Christ as Savior, and then we can go on to the entire sanctification help us as we wait for a moment this morning while we wait is anybody would like to come and pray